This week on The Futurists, Irina Cronin and Robert Scoble. If you're moving people through a paradigm shift, and we're about to go through a paradigm shift in 3D computing, right? We're going from 2D computing to 3D computing, but most people aren't ready for that yet. The quick answer to that is hardware is going to be located inside your brain. Welcome to this week's The Futurist podcast, the number one futurist podcast on the planet. Um, we are grateful to have you guys back here um, in the hosting chair today is myself and Miss Metaverse, Katie Schultz. Katie. Hey, hey, happy to be back. How you doing? Good. Good. Um, all right. So um, we have a returning, a couple of returning guests this time. Um, yes. But it's uh, to celebrate the launch of their new book. Um, the book is called The Immersive Metaverse Playbook for Business Leaders, A Guide to Strategic Decision-Making and Implementation in the Metaverse for Improved Products and Services. Ah, that's a big subtitle. <laughs> <laughs> Irina and Robert, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. I finally got the paper copy too. <laughs> it, it always, it it never gets old, does it? Getting you new. Prove somebody for the wrote first some time. words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely it's, it never gets old when you when you open up that first package from the publisher and and you get the uh, the copy copy. But uh, when did you guys start working on this book? Years um, ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, this particular book, yeah, and it's been in the making for a lot of years, but actually the actual writing of it, of it about six months. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, no, it, it, one of the things, of course, is that, um, you know, the she, metaverse. She doesn't quite explain. We wrote a book right before it that took us a, a longer time, and that pre prepared us for this. So this is like part two? Yeah, it's an update. It's moving. It's, it's moving in progress. Spatial yeah. computing is changing every day. By the time this video is up, everybody, you know, 160,000 people will have a spatial computer on their face. Yeah, yeah. That's a huge change. We've been waiting for this day for a long time. No, and uh, 12 yeah, years. Yeah, I know. Since I I know. We've been talking about it for at least that long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're getting old waiting for this thing. I know, seriously. <laughs> All right. And Irina, you have another book coming out, Spatial Computing and AI-Driven Business with Kathy. Oh, uh, sorry, Spatial Computing Revolution with Kathy Hackle. We just had Kathy on the show uh, recently. So um, I oh, think great. Uh, you, you were on that show, I think, weren't you? Yeah, um, I forget. <laughs> I forget no, what show I've been uh, no, on. I've been on no, so sorry. many shows lately. <laughs> um, so, uh, Katie, were you on that show with Kathy? I can't remember. No, I don't remember I being on with Kathy. <laughs> was, I think that I was, think it was Rob. She was on alone with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So, um, so that's that's great. Um, you know, to see you guys uh, still kicking it with with the book. Of course, um, you guys have been writing about this space for a while, but yeah. um, this seems <laughs> like there's a bit more of a focus on the business side of the metaverse in this book. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah. It's focused for, on business people trying to understand what the metaverse is and what we're calling the metaverse 2.0. So actually, Robert coined that term. Can you explain what that is, Robert? 
Yeah, I just was seeing dozens, now hundreds of examples. Even this morning, I saw one, uh, a guy put up a, a video of a video game environment that just came out that was is photorealistic. Everything you see is is real looking, right? That's different than Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse. Right. So I, I because figured it's a out, representation oh, of, yeah, rather yeah, than everything is photorealistic. Yeah. Everything's using new AI driven technology, right? The things, there's a new uh, way to work with augmented and uh, reality and virtual reality coming soon. And it's different than what is on your Quest 3 headset right now. Absolutely. Right? It's much yeah. more photorealistic, much more in, interactive, much more AI driven. Um, you know, much cheaper to make, which is really the key point for like the Hollywood types, right? Well, when you say much cheaper to make, that's because of AI, you know, the text to video and soon to be text to 3D is an absolutely amazing occurrence for spatial computing. Yeah. So uh, with the Apple Vision Pro coming and the new version coming in about a year to 18 months, which is much cheaper and more people can buy it, um, entertainment on that is going to explode, including creations by people who use AI. It's really easy to use, by the way. So, um, yeah, that's also we're calling Metaverse 2.0 the hollow deck, right, Robert? Well, I mean, we're trying to come up with a, a way to say digital <laughs> twins on everything. You know, a digital twin people is a boring term, right? You say it's a holodeck, everybody's like, "Why? What's a holodeck?" You know, right? And so, but really, what is coming is a digital twin is going to be on everything on the street. When you get an autonomous car, how is that driving? It's not driving on the street; it's driving on the digital twin of the street, right? That's a holodeck, and it, it doesn't seem like that. Because our media has put an image of a holodeck a deck in our mind, right? If you watched Star Trek, you know what the Star Trek holodeck is. Well, we're going to get a different kind of holodeck out of this new technology that builds on what we've seen in TV, right? Yeah, and you're cor so correct about the business focus. The, the issue is that so many business people, including leaders, uh, don't really know very much about the metaverse, the holodeck, the Apple Vision Pro, et cetera, spatial computing, you know, all of that. And it's going to be so important for business, you know, the 3Ding of everything in the future, near future, by the way. Um, the, the companies that know about it, you know, Walmart and Amazon and companies like that that have been preparing 3D objects for a couple of years already, they're ready for it. Hmm. So and IKEA and et cetera, but other companies they're they're still lagging as anything with new technology. Uh, we need the headsets out there. This is why the Apple the first Vision Pro is so important. It's not a mainstream of a device. My right. uh, you know my my wife is going to really two. wear it. Yeah, no, it's a developer device. It, right. All of a sudden, I'm seeing all sorts of developers saying, I, I'm shipping code on this thing. I'm building for it, right? They haven't had one. They've had to build it for a simulator so far. Yeah. Unless you're working at Disney or something like that, right? Then you might get one of these headsets early. But most developers don't have access to it, so they can't build for it, really. 
And that's what's got me excited. Now those people can build new things. By Christmas, we're going to see a lot of those new things. And then we're going to be ready for a headset, a new one next year, which will really bring the 3D world to bear. This new Gaussian, you know, Metaverse 2 relies on some new technology like Gaussian splats. What are Gaussian splats or neural radiance fields? They they both do right. nerfs. things, nerfs. right? <laughs> nerfs. They make 3D scenes, digital twins of the world around you or the objects in front of you. And this is a new technology. And I, I think we've done a pretty good job of trying to prepare people for this new world coming. And it's coming fast. In 18 months, this whole world is changing. Right, eighteen months from now, you're going to start seeing humanoid robots walking around. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's another kind of spatial computing. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's spatial uh, again, computing that's... is more than just VR. This is why yeah. Apple yeah. was correct to use yeah. our. Ter- we use the term in our last two books, spatial computing, because yeah. it's bigger than just VR. And and thankfully, mm-hmm. Apple is now using the term, you know, on, on their homepage. You know, so um, that's uh, you know, that's why you guys are on the show because you're futurists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we, we see things, we write yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, let's come back to the Metaverse 2 thing. Um, you know, let, let's talk about the development of spatial computing and what that means in terms of the way we would classify it. Because there is a lot of confusion around these terms. Even, even the blockchain crypto guys talk about the Metaverse and Web3 Oh, that's a very else. different way yeah. from Web 3D, yeah. which is the spatial computing. And now computing they're calling stuff. themselves AI, decentralized AI now. They're all switching right. over right. to right. the, because right. they know AI is hotter than crypto. So they're calling themselves decentralized AI now. <laughs> <laughs> which is is an interesting concept in itself, because I don't know how you build LLMs on a blockchain. But anyway. Um you can put a lot of things on the blockchain, right? Identity That's different, though. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's yeah. After everything. Yeah. It's the transactional throughput wouldn't really make LLMs uh, functional from a neural network perspective on blockchain. But um, um, you're, what about spatial computing? So spatial computing, I mean, it sounds like a really technical term, and it probably is a little more technical than saying holodeck, right, or Metaverse 2.0. Um, it, it gets at the fact that everything is going to be more 3D in the future and that you'd be able to move through it. So whether it's VR or AR and with Apple focusing on pass through AR, um, everything that you see in front of you uh, is in space, basically. So hence spatial computing. And they love the word computing, of course, because that ties into everything that they've been doing forever. Um, but going going back to uh, Web3 and, and Metaverse, so um, it's like I think the Web3 people kind of hijacked the Metaverse term from Zuckerberg. Right. Zuckerberg right. didn't mean to talk about, you know, all the stuff that they're talking decentralization and blockchain and all that. No, so- he wants a centralized Metaverse, right? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I, we don't really pay that much attention to that side of it at all. We're we're totally on the visual side of it, you know. Yeah. But that that is the new paradigm, right? The new paradigm is the visual representation of data. It's putting you in oh this three D space, um, you know. And this is where we get into the interface stuff as well. I mean, one of the you know, Robert, you and I have talked about this previously. Katie, you and I have as well. 
is, is that if you think about sort of the design of these environments, and, and we've seen various depictions of this, I think uh, Ready Player One was quite a good uh, mm -hmm. depiction of, of that, although it was VR, not AR. Um, you know, you've seen other shows like Continuum with the... Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, the Canadian show with the the head up display built in and the and the um, sort of companion suit and things like that, you know, um, we we've seen various representations of this. But right now, you know, even when you go into um, you know Oculus's world, um, you know, it, it, even when you're using the Meta headset or whether you're in yeah. Horizon Horizons world, um, or if you're in in the Vision Pro arena. There is still very much a 2D paradigm inserted into this space. You know, you're looking yeah. at screens that are being produced and you want to sit and watch a movie. Yeah, you know, that's fine. That's not holodeck, right? Well, it's uh, it, it gets you a long time, right? A Apple, if you're an executive, if you get hired as an executive at Apple, they teach you uh, the first week that you got to go to a class there called the Apple Way, and they t teach you about the customer journey. And today, everybody's looking at 2D screens, phones, tablets, laptops, right? It's TVs. They're all 2D screens. So it's just people, like a training paradigm? Well, no, it's if you're moving people through a paradigm shift, and we're about to go through a paradigm shift in 3D computing, right? We're going from 2D computing to 3D computing. But most people aren't ready for that yet. Most people don't know what 3D is, don't know how to manipulate things in 3D yet. Okay, here, here's an example. I worked at Microsoft, and one day I had to work the support lines as part of my job there. And I helped a woman uh, drag an icon across the screen, and it was very difficult for her on a 2D <laughs> screen to, to just move an icon from one side of the screen to the next side of the screen, right? Or move it from a folder to a folder. That's actually pretty difficult for a lot of people. And mm -hmm. we're about to go into a world where you're going to have to manipulate things in 3D that way, right? Yeah, yeah. So with, with gestures. Gesture control. You have yeah. to take people slowly into that yeah. world step by yeah. step. And first, you have to start with the customer journey. We're on 2D screens. We look at 2D content, and we need to work with 2D for a while. Right. So that's why Apple has really optimized the 2D screens. When you get a Vision Pro, the 2D screens are freaking stunning. Right. Mm -hmm. That helps you get into the 3D world because then developers can introduce 3D concepts to their 2D apps and move us into the 3D world. Right. Yeah. So 2D is still going to be very important. 2D is not going away. I mean, I, I, if you want to look at a spreadsheet, are you going to see that in 3D? Actually, you will. You'll probably see it laid out on top of the, whatever you're studying. Like uh, Suzanne Borders, who runs Bad VR, showed me a factory floor with the spreadsheet data laid on top of the machines on the factory floor oh, as yeah. I was walking that's around, cool. right? So that's a new kind of spreadsheet. But you might still want to go back to the old spreadsheet and look at the numbers, right? And, and play with the numbers, make sure they're accurate. That's a 2D screen. You're not going to see a, a spreadsheet in 3D, right? They just that's had the Excel sense. World Series in Singapore. Did you guys see that? Yeah. yeah. There's, there's people serious about Excel, man. There's a whole oh, team yeah. Right, oh, yeah. Yeah, up in Seattle <laughs> that helps those people and makes new features for them. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Yeah. We need more of that, I think, you know, to get people excited because you're right. Right, right now, there's a lot of certain kind of uh, clicks going on, right? You have the people that are in the Meta Horizons groups on Facebook and uh, you have on Twitter, different people that are all 
Pro, Apple Vision Pro. And, you know, I think we're going to be seeing more of this coming together soon, which would be good. It's the rich people versus the poor people. Oh, no. <laughs> Although, you know, if you can spend $700 on a VR headset, which is what the Quest 3 costs, you know, you're not poor. <laughs> you got 700 bucks in your pocket to spend. <laughs> I happen to think that the people who really like the Meta are qualitatively different than the people who like Apple in terms of visuality, what they prefer and why they want the Meta. So it's a little different. You know, you have people that really, really like VR, right? There's a lot of people, actually, the ones that like Meta, they really like VR, right? Hmm. Yeah. Well, you so, know, keep in mind, Meta has been out there for seven years. It's like uh, Nokia has 100% market share right now. You know, go back to the iPhone launch, right? The iPhone, nobody thought Apple had a, a phone, a chance at beating Nokia at phones. Even Nokia CEO was, for yeah. years after the iPhone was announced, he says, I have all the market share, right? It's like, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah. but one thing Apple did do was they did introduce a new paradigm in terms of control. You know, it was the yeah. multi-touch interface. It was the pinch and the poke and, and stuff yeah. like that. You know, It's and, the first one that really represents reality pretty well. The Quest 3, if you look at your real world around you, your couch, your coffee table, your walls, they're not very nice. The Apple Vision Pro, everything looks like reality, right? Mm. They really spent a lot of time to make sure reality looks like reality, even though it's not reality, right? It's virtual right. reality. <laughs> <But> it's, uh, <laughs> and so that brings us to the fact that from a specs perspective, um, that you know the Vision Pro is an entirely different piece of hardware from the Quest. It, it has so, a huge amount of AI inferencing on your head that that Zuckerberg doesn't have. Yes, yeah. this is a huge, huge advantage to Apple. Katie, I know you've been been looking at that. Do you have any comments on like the differences between the headsets? Or I just got the Quest Three, and I I like it. I think it's an improvement on the two. However. I think the the Vision Pro is a whole other <laughs> it's a whole other uh, up level to what's going on here. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be exciting. I think the price point's a bit high, but you know, I for what that it comes is, down. And right. I I, ex I expect that for sure. You know, um, I mean, in 1989, Steve Wozniak showed me his the first color printer in Silicon Valley it cost forty five thousand dollars. Right today, a right. seventy dollar printer is way fucking, way better. It's not even close. This seventy dollar printer sitting here is way better than that printer was. Right, and it's seventy bucks instead of forty five thousand. He yeah. also bought a four hundred megabyte megabyte RAM drive, which cost forty five thousand dollars to run Photoshop one point out. Today, your phone has way more RAM on it or memory yeah. than that right? well, <laughs> for a thousand bucks or whatever you spent on your phone. Right. I think the AVP, the, the Apple Vision Pro, is, is way ahead of, of those examples because it's only about a year until consumers uh, will be able to really afford it. And then it's going to be kind of an automatic thing, in my point of view, in the future. And the second one fixes some of the weight issues and brings a lot more GPU because the second one brings the, the M3 processor. Yeah, it should, it should have GPU. Android. Right. It has a lot more GPU and it has a lot more AI inferencing on it. And the AI inferencing is going to matter. It's going to matter deeply uh, for uh, for privacy. Let's talk about privacy. You put on a uh, Quest 3, 
I, I, I have a quest too. I play it in my uh, family room. One night, my wife walked in naked into my room. Now, the Quest doesn't do a lot of AI imprinting, doesn't do a lot of computer vision, doesn't look at the room very much. The, the next Quest that comes will. Where is that AI imprinting being done? Right? Oh, is it being done up in the cloud or on your head? Apple keeps everything on the head. And this is real important when we go to eye sensors, because we're about to get eye, we're, we're getting eye tracking with Vision Pro. Right, it has eye sensors that can look at the back of your eye and tell you have 13 diseases, for instance, on the back of your eye. Where do you do that AI inferencing? Do you do it up on Zuckerberg's cloud? Are you giving him all the private data about your uh, uh, dis diseases on the back of your eye? This is real important to pay attention to for consumers. And Apple does it all in the head. The data never leaves the headset. That's a huge advantage to privacy to, to Apple's devices. Mm -hmm. And a yep. huge advantage to other things, because because that AI inferencing is on your head, there's less latency to get a packet, you know, to to the AI inferencer, right? You, you have to send that up to the internet. It takes time and it takes energy. That's two things that a headset doesn't have a lot of. Absolutely. Right? You're playing some new kind of game. You want it to happen fast. You don't want to wait for your AI girlfriend to talk back to you, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, also with the Apple Vision Pro, you could create 3D photos and videos, right? Right. You can't do 3D that. 3D memories, yeah. Yeah. Well, they have I mean, a lot of sensors on it, and Apple hasn't really started showing us what we just saw one example of that. Of didn't we? Just we saw one example in the launch of it. I don't think anything else has come out since then. Um, the well, the new phones. iPhone has the capability of doing 3D, but there's no place to view it until you get the Apple Vision Pro. Oh. I, I've been shooting a lot of 3D videos and I'm waiting to look at, you know, by the time this video comes out, I'll be looking at them in the Vision, in the vision Pro because I'm getting mine February 2nd. I think this video goes up after February 2nd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, we're excited. And by the way, Having a little bit of extra 3D data from the, from the cameras, even though they're not very far apart, um, gives Apple the ability to build neural radiance fields out of those videos in the future. Not today, but in the future, those videos can get more and more and more 3D over time. So, so just for our listeners, um, maybe Irina, can you explain what a neural radiance field is? Okay, well, basically it's, for people who know what photogrammetry is, it's very similar to photogrammetry, but it's a better version of it. Um, there's more detail that's filled in uh, versus photogrammetry so that it's more true to life. And you don't have to take as many photographs of the thing that the object that you're taking to be able to get a full 3D sense that you could actually spin around if you want to. So it, it's it's just a very, very much improved photogrammetry tool. Um, now, there's also something called Gaussian splats, which is even better. They, both of them have certain issues that, that are being fixed now by a lot of technologists and software people. But these two technologies are going to revolutionize how photographs are taken, I believe, just like Robert Robert has said. It's not just photographs. It, all right. So I have well, a tree. Well, that's what my, we start off with, right? Right. But I, I have a tree in my backyard, right? So if we wanted to walk around my tree, I can take some 2D photos of that and try to 
tell you what the tree looks like. Well, you have to, your human brain has to look at those 2D pictures and go, okay, that's a nice tree, but you can't walk around the tree. It's flat, it's 2D, right? So we have to turn the 2D photos of the tree into a 3D scene that you can walk around in with a VR headset or a spatial computer, right? And that's that's what this stuff is. It's putting 2D images or videos into an AI computer, having the AI computer generate a 3D scene of the tree. So now we can walk around my tree. Yes. Really and thanks amazing. to AI, we could do all this now, which is amazing. Yes. yes. But we and we basically had to is, wait for Apple to develop that technology because no one really had that technology, especially for the pasture element of it, right? You need a lot of AI inferencing. And Apple's Vision Pro has an M2 processor. 21% of that processor is just for neural processing. It's not for anything else. I've had one on my desk for three years. That part of the chip is cold even today. And I'm one of the top AI influencers in the world. I run a lot of AI things. Like I'm using a Rewind right now, listening to us right now. It's making notes about us. But that process only takes a few hundred milliseconds every few minutes. So most of the time, that processor is sitting here unused. Well, what is Apple spending billions of dollars in semiconductor, putting it in people's homes and not turning it on for? This Vision Pro was supposed to ship two years ago. That's why they had to do that, to put the AI inferencing in all these other devices. This is Apple's uh, real, real advantage. They have an ecosystem of devices. I have 15 devices in my house that are Apple and three of these M2 processors that have this AI inferencing and nobody knows about this AI inferencing. It's really, really important. And it's about to change everything about computing. I just want to add that I think very few people know that the Apple Vision Pro took about eight years to create and hundreds and hundreds of failed, you know, versions of it. Um, And also $40 billion, which is a tremendous amount. That's a big budget. Yeah. So, but they have, they have tons of cash. So it's not like they're going to be poor because they've spent it. But as a business, they have to somehow try to make it back, right? Yeah. So that's why... The this particular version is also expensive. On the yeah. other side of this, we're going to be in an experiential age. Like, like, like five years from now, when people are starting to really get a lot of glasses, right? Whether they're from Zuckerberg or from Apple, we're in a new world. We're in an experiential age. And Warner Brothers head of product, right? They make movies, is real excited about this age because he can deliver entertainment experiences that he cannot deliver today. And these experiences are going to make a lot of companies a lot of money. All right, let's hold off until the next part. Let's uh, let's go to break. All right. Okay. You're listening to, <laughs> all right. You're listening to The Futurist with Miss Metaverse, myself, and Brett King. We are interviewing Arena and Rob on their new book, The Immersive Metaverse Playbook for Business Leaders. And we will be right back after the break. Provoke Media is proud to sponsor, produce, and support the Futurist podcast. Provoke.fm is a global podcast network and content creation company with the world's leading fintech podcast and radio show, Breaking Banks. And of course, it's spin-off podcasts, Breaking Banks Europe, Breaking Banks Asia Pacific, and the Fintech Five. But we also produce the official Finnovate podcast, Tech on Reg, Emerge Everywhere, the podcast of the Financial Health Network, and Next Gen Banker. 
For information about all our podcasts, go to provoke.fm or check out Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. Welcome back to The Futurists. Uh, in the hosting chair with me today is Miss Metaverse and Katie Schultz and myself, Brett King. We are interviewing uh, two people we can as friends actually to the show. They've been not, they've been on The Futurists uh, before. They've been on Breaking Banks for many years. That's uh, Robert Scoble and Irina Cronin. So welcome back, guys. Um, in the first half, half, we did get into some of the differences and some of the developmental cycles, uh, you know, in, in these in these technologies right now. But I am interested in um, what do you guys think of the uh, recent announcement by the Public Investment Fund, which is Saudi's um, sovereign wealth fund, um, which has trillions of dollars apparently in it, where they just made a, a was it five hundred. Um, um, million 590 million in debt funding to magic leap yeah. yeah and you know there is a big component of saudi's investment cycle right now in terms of vision 2030 which is their mission to take saudi arabia into the 21st century um mbs is pushing this very aggressively and then you know of course you've got the smart city neom and the line and other elements like that so um is this the well, first may well before we get into magic leap versus vision pro um is this the they're first they're not competitive I, I don't see them competitive at all they're for different use cases no but is right. this the oh. first state level investment in virtual reality that you're aware of or no or... i mean oh, no. Uh, thomas Bernays South was Korea. back in 1965 and he was building oh, yeah. an american government right the american government's been investing in immersive technologies since the 60s and people don't well know. well of yep. course um you know the f22 and the f35 use yeah. augmented reality uh, quite heavily yeah what are one of those uh headsets in the f35 cost they used to be a million dollars they're coming down yeah i think they're now. like four hundred thousand or something now but yeah. they're expensive expensive dedicated headsets let's talk about manufacturing though because that's where that's where the vision uh, the magic leap is going to play is enterprise uses right they're oh not except robert Go you ahead. know that there, it's not an MR headset anymore. They I, cut the I know. I know. It, it's it, I the people that have worked there. I've spoken to many of them that were let go. They're very unhappy that they dropped the MR aspect, and they can't believe that anyone gave them five hundred ninety million dollars. Yeah. So that's a statement, a, a serious statement as to like how far the Magic Leap is actually going to go. Well, all right. So let's say let's talk about manufacturing because I just interviewed a company called Luma Field. This makes a CAT scan for the end of a manufacturing line. So if you're a manufacturer that's making electric motors or something like that, you throw it through their CAT scan, and the CAT scan makes a voxel model, a 3D model, a digital twin of of that uh, part going by, and then AI looks to make sure the quality is high right in the, into the part. Well, if you're a worker running that machine, you're probably going to need to wear a pair of glasses to look at the voxel model because you don't want to look at that on a 2D screen. You want to see that in 3D so you can spin the the watch or the or the electric motor you're making around in 3D and look at it and cut it apart and zoom it out, right? That could be done in a magic leap. Uh, mm. You don't need. That's, well, that's where oh, Hololens well. seemed to be going, right? You know, very well, much Hololens, industrial application. Hololens is just not being invested in by Microsoft. So, uh, well, that, know, that just shows you. Yeah, right. um, there's a reason why the Hololens is not being 
invested in, it would need a, a lot more investment, which they didn't put in for it to be kind of a successful product. You know, they were uh, pointing it towards enterprise, right? But enterprise is not ready for the HoloLens, at least when it first came out. And they didn't know what to do with it. So the same thing with Magic Leap. I mean, how is Magic Leap going to ever compete with the Apple Vision Pro? I, I just don't see it. But There's is that is that it's I don't not, know if that's the objective, right? Yeah, the, that's the, that's what the reason said. they got the funding isn't to build a product. They have six thousand patents, and those patents have a lot of value to the other part partners, right? Other competitors. If, if Tesla wants They'll to get into augmented reality glasses in the future, they're going to need to buy Magic Leap to get the patent portfolio, right? You're right. Yeah. Interesting. We don't yeah. believe in Magic Leap, but we think you know <laughs> now. Yeah, the, the the reason I say the Vision Pro and the Magic Leap aren't competitive is because the Vision Pro you cannot see through the chips. If the if the computer dies, if the battery dies, if the if it starts rebooting, you can't see anything. And if you have a little pair of headphones and you know the AirPod Pros in your ears, you can't hear anything either if those right. die. So you're not seeing reality at all. But Everything the Magic Leap was all, a... always designed to, um, you're seeing seeing through the lenses and you're having, you know, laser light or whatever projected onto your field yeah. of view. Yeah. yeah. With the Magic Leap and the HoloLens, you're seeing through the optic to reality. So you can right. still see reality. This is a big deal if you're doing a dangerous job, right? If, you, if your hands are right next to a bandsaw blade because you're working in a factory or something like that. You don't want to use uh, Apple Vision Pro. It's inappropriate to use a, a pass-through device, we call it, where you can't see reality uh, on such a job. If you're a police officer firing a gun at somebody, you got to see reality. There's yeah, no option yeah. there. You can't see yep. a recreation of reality that'll cause you to make a mistake, right? Yeah, but you don't need a magic leap to do that. I mean, ever well, since you need something like a magic leap. So I, I, I can see why a magic leap would be a part of the mix of an enterprise mm -hmm. workers. I don't think so. Bit. I don't think so because uh, it's been a very long time, at least 2012 where there have been AR headsets, which are quite cheap, that have been used by FedEx, by Amazon. You know, you don't need to have like extra special stuff to be able to do what they need to do with with, with AR. Yeah. So I, I really don't see Magic Leap even edging in at all. And, plus, and once Apple Glasses get here, Apple Glasses are going to let you see reality through the, the lenses. Right. right. Yeah. So and once we haven't those even arrive, seen everybody the in the factory that, floor right? is going to have Apple Glasses on. I mean, let's be honest, you know? Yeah. This is what happened with the iPhone, right? Uh, when I worked at Microsoft way back 15 years ago, 20 years, you know, back in 2005, I've met a lot, a lot of times with the, with the phone team. They all thought that the CTO was going to buy all the phones in the future. That was their big mistake. They didn't yeah, understand yeah. that Steve Jobs was going to build a store network and get people to bring their own device to work. Now, I mean, my wife works at Broadcom. They make her buy her own phones. Yeah. Right. Of course. But it, it so, used to so soon a factory gone. worker is going to go down to the Apple store and pick out an Apple glasses and take them back to work to to do the job, right? So we've talked about the manufacturing side and we've talked about the hardware side, but um, if if we're building these three D worlds that we're going to share in, 
then we need shared cloud infrastructure and, and, you know, sort of edge computing infrastructure where we could be in these 3D spaces present. And one of the reasons that you have, you know, Horizon is <laughs> able to do that is because it's not photorealistic. Right. So um, where do you see Vision Pro creating shared spaces for people to work together in? They bought a company called Spaces VR, which did that in a shopping mall. So you, in a Spaces VR experience at a shopping mall, you go and take your family there and you have a multi-party uh, video game experience, right? You're shooting aliens uh, with your family next to you. And it's really cool. That's coming to the Vision Pro this Christmas as prototypes. Uh, coming next year, you're going to see a lot of 3D concerts, uh, sporting events, uh, games that you can play with your friends and family. And this is the power, again, of the ecosystem. Okay, yeah, the Vision Pro is expensive. You might only have one of those in your in your house, but your kids all have iPads or iPhones. Every kid in my friend's world has a phone now. But the, right? there's also something called SharePlay which yeah. they haven't talked too much about, which is really amazing. You don't have to have a, a headset to be able to use SharePlay, but it would be nice because then you could see the 3D images. Currently, there are only five people that will be able to do that, but with SharePlay, whatever scene that you have in front of you, whether it's um, a prototype that's being worked on or a spreadsheet that they're looking at or some kind of data thing that they're working on, um, while they're showing it, someone could actually take it down and do work on it personally, and then not have to not have to change the version that's being shown. And this could be used for all kinds of other reasons as well, between families and friends and stuff like that. So it's definitely going to go beyond five people, but it's it's super special. With the one thing we, Irina and I do consumer research, and I keep hearing over and over and over again when I'm interviewing consumers. I visited eleven states last year to do this kind of research. I want to play. They tell me I want to play simple games with my friends and family, they are not attracted to Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse because, you know, Horizon Worlds, you're meeting random people as right. you walk around. Right, right, right. And it's not a simple game because they've built a lot of complexity into the environment and you have to learn it every time you walk into a new new room, there's a new game there. This is something Apple's going to take advantage of because they're going to let you play with your family or friends. And most people only have two to four friends. Right. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg told me that years ago. He said, we already know when most people only talk to four people in their lives, right? Most people are not like Irina and I talk to a lot of people, right? Yeah. Um, and so you're going to play mini golf or bowling or some Roblox. sort of game like that with yeah. your family and at, on Friday nights, right? It's going to be a new entertainment night. Mm. It's a big deal. So what, what's uh, what's Microsoft's role in this? They Microsoft. have the biggest data centers. Uh, cloud. Biggest data center. <laughs> <laughs> they have so the biggest data center. So if VR you're Azure for the Vision Pro, right. you, you got to host it on Amazon, AWS, or Azure, or Google yeah. Cloud, right? And Azure has a lot of advantages, and they should have an, a partnership with Apple to hold, hold all the developers. Wow. Well. Apple and Microsoft. I'm not sure about that, but um, yeah, you I know, mean, it's a obviously, with, but uh, Microsoft did save Apple, so you know, yeah, right. 
But they're they're highly invested into AI, obviously, with open AI, and they're going to continue to do that. So, but inevitably, what they're doing with AI is going to help spatial computing because you need content for spatial computing, not just the hardware. You need to be able to create those 3D images and, and videos and stuff like that. And AI could create those really easily. So, uh, and it's going to get better and more professional looking so that you'll be able to watch these things from Warner Brothers or from, you know, any other from Apple also making 3D videos. So, yeah, that's where the AI piece comes in. One of the, the things I'm I'm interested in in, in this space is, is not just, um, you know, sort of creating these 3d worlds and and um you know workspaces and things like that but um you know um we we do see potential for slightly different views of where this could go and one of the things i wanted to tackle with you guys is what about the Chinese angle on this? Because China does already have um, some fairly sophisticated neuromorphic chipsets and things like that. Huawei's been doing some of that. If you look at their use of, um, you know, 3D in terms of even just things like billboards around Shenzhen and so forth, it's like the it's like what we used to see in uh, Back to the Future. You know, these uh, yeah. three dimensional things and so forth. There's but one in Times Square too. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So where do you see what do you see China's role in the spatial computing stuff that's happening right now? I um, think it's going to be parallel worlds, okay? So uh the Asian market has always done their own thing. Sometimes it spills over to the US and other and Europe and stuff like that. But their market is so la it's large enough that they don't have to play anywhere else. Their ecosystem is within itself. So I don't see them competing with U.S. products, actually. So well, no, not not head on, not not in, in right. today's environment, right? Uh, well, it, I mean, we I mean, see I think that coming down yeah. the line. Well, like, you know, when we talk about smartphones, you. you know, like um, Chinese smartphones dominate the world today. Right, you know, particularly in the African continent, ASEAN. The globally. iPhone is made in China, so is the iPhone yeah. a Chinese phone? Right. Yeah, I, I look yeah. at it as partly made in China, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a big deal. And Apple sells a lot in inside China. And when I went to China, everybody I met with had an iPhone, right? So the rich people and the developers are just like Silicon Valley people. They have iPhones. They like Apple. They yeah. like the brand, right? But talking about spatial computing, you know, how is it going to intersect like Tencent? You know, how is that going to intersect with U.S. spatial computing? Yeah. I don't see it intersecting. No, that's a good point. Yeah. You'll see intersections here and there. And it, I I wouldn't be shocked if a new brand comes out. I mean, right, DGI came out of China. Mm. They, they well, have a lot of 3D talent. DGI has a digital twin, you know, basis, right? Bingo. And Insta360, yeah. they came to my house yeah. and, and ex explained their cameras AI controlled. That's how it steadies the 360 cameras, AI inside, and they're really advanced. So don't overlook the Chinese. They could come oh, out yeah. with something that's a global brand, but not- Well, there's Pico, Pico XR. Yeah, but that's I mean, not going to compete with Apple around the world yet. You know? it'll, it'll compete with uh, Meta though, you know, I think pretty soon. Nah, I don't even see it that, uh, not in the Western world. 
I agree. I agree with Robert. Um, it's, it, but it's that's just, the thing is like the Western yeah. world's small compared with, you know, the. Uh, well, that's that's why I say long term, China is going to build brands that are going to come out to the Western world, right? Mm. Because they're going to be able to build a, a, a company internally that we don't hear about for a decade. And then all of a sudden they're launching world ah, products. Yeah, yeah. Huawei was a good example of that. Yeah, that Huawei, a nobody knew what a monster Huawei example, was, yeah. right? And they dominate 5G tech globally. Go ahead, Arena. Yeah, what what I was saying near near future, and I'm saying up to 2030, right? I really don't think China is going to, you know, have some major thing in spatial computing that's going to come over and overtake the U.S. So that that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. Maybe if you're talking 2040, 2050, or something like that. Um, there's some blockbuster company that has grown e enormous in in China or, or any in South Korea or whatever. Um, uh, maybe then for spatial computing, it'll it'll have some kind of impact. But I don't see. There is it. a lot of AI work being done in China. A lot of papers are coming out of China, right? So. Well, Tencent and Alibaba and a whole bunch of others are coming out with a whole bunch of innovation. So I, it's going to be an interesting thing. I, I agree with you that that right now in today's global climate, it's hard to see a lot of combination. But let's talk about virtual beings. We're about to get virtual beings that can sit on our couch, talk to us, interact with us, play games with us. Those might come from China. Yeah. Oh, sure. There's no... There's yeah, no established yeah. virtual being brand yet. So yeah. when we're, you know, I'm going to try uh, them all, right? And it, and the Chinese one might work better than the American. I have a they're, feeling they're the government smart. would start, would attack that too, because it's coming from China and there's some kind of data leakage or something. So that's also another reason why I'm not that bullish on China. Uh, but I think, you know, you have, one of the changes that has to happen with spatial computing is that we have to completely change our view of data, right? Mm -hmm. Because yes. um, this concept that you can keep data private in a spatial world like this with digital twins is just like, an anathema uh -huh. to that concept, well, right? So that's not, you can have data ownership. Hold on, hold on. Because I'm using advanced uses of this, right? I have Rewind listening to us right now on my my Macintosh. This is a new AI company that listens to my microphones 100% of the time. They're listening to me right now, right? I don't have to turn it Hi, on. Rewind. I don't have to use a wake word. It's just listening. <laughs> But all of that data is local. It's on my machine. It doesn't talk to any cloud computing server. This is an advantage of the large language model that's sh shipping from everybody. It can run on your phone. It right. can run locally. And therefore, you can protect your data if you think yes. about it and plan ahead and know where the data is going. But it it's takes some thinking. It's going to take time, though, for the regular everyday consumer who's, who's you know, superstitious. Believe me, it's, it's not like you could tell them all you want that the data is staying locally it'll take time it'll take just as long as it took for you know around 2000 when people didn't want to put in their credit cards onto the internet right and there's lots of advantages yeah. my psychiatrist is using chat gpt in our therapy sessions right i put the notes up from one of my therapy sessions and in half an hour it figured out all my mental illnesses just by listening to us for half an hour Right. So it is a freaky new world that's coming at us with freaky new capabilities. And I agree with Irina that we need to get on the other side of this and, and join up. I'm there. I'm already using AI oh, listen yeah. to me all the time. <laughs> I, I mean, my micro, my lights have microphones on them and computers and they're made in China. So I'm not too 
too freaked out by China listening to me, right? All right. Well, um, you know, we are coming up to the end of the show. So, you know, we do have to take a look into the future. So um, Metaverse 3.0. Exactly. You know, so take us into 2040 and 2050. Tell us how people will live with these interfaces on their face and in these virtual worlds. How will that mixed reality develop? Irina first, because I could talk for an hour. Of course. <laughs> oh, do you want me to talk about the brain interfaces? Is that <laughs> whatever you want? What's you our can next talk about book? BCI? Sure. If, if it's five years from now, have we written another book? And what is it on? <laughs> okay. There, there, there's certain levels this has to go through before you could get to 2040 and 2050. Um, we think by 28, there are going to be glasses from Apple and obviously glasses from Facebook and other companies as well. So it's going to move from you know, these headsets to glasses, and it's going to stay glasses for a, a pretty long while, actually, I think going into 2035, something like that. It's going to take time for these uh, BCIs, the brain-computer interface, to actually, uh, even Elon Musk is going to take time to make this happen and for it to be safe and everything. So there could be devices that hardware that could measure um, what's going on in your brain. It could be from the outside. It could do basically a lot of the same things that um, a lot of the same things, but not not as super incredible as as what Neuralink is like. So um, the quick answer to that is hardware is going to be located inside your brain. Well, but with the advances we're making in, you know, um, various sensor technology, it would appear that we wouldn't, we don't necessarily have to, you know, like there's been incredible uh, advances in um, using ultrasound technology for Alzheimer's and Parkinson's recently that aren't invasive like that. I agree with you. So here's an early example of this, right? This is a NextMind device. Uh, Snapchat bought this company, so it disappeared and nobody knows about it. But this is a set of sensors that goes on the back of your head and AI listens to your brain from outside your head to inside your head. And it can sort of tell what you're looking at because that's where all your visual processing is done is in the back of your head. Yeah, so that will never go away because there are going to be many, many, many people that will not want to have something invasive in their in their brain. But by but by twenty by the twenty forties, could you guys imagine us having the audio from our virtual suite pumped directly into our ear with bone conduction technology, having either smart contact lenses or having like, um, you know, some sort of wiring in our retina to Um, to give us the the sort of capabilities of a smart glasses. Is that, is that, I I don't believe in, um, in smart contact lenses. I worked with a company for a number of years, years called Mojo Lens uh, Mojo, Mojo Vision, excuse me, their their product was called Mojo Lens. And basically they came across a lot of issues um, with the contact lens and people not wanting to use it. And I don't think that's going to change in the future. The bone conduction is a very good example of something that could be on the edge of your ear that could actually work. So I don't think that the outside hardware is going to go away, but there there will be people that will not want to wear anything, even in the future, going into 2050. They're not going to have a choice. I'll be blunt about it. 
Well, I drive I a, think, you want to fly so. an F-35 yeah, fighter right. jet, you got to put on the headset, right? And it's going to be like that at many, uh, many businesses. I think the headset. Imagine you, you walk into a business glasses. today and say, I refuse to use an iPhone. You're going to get fired. You're not going to get hired if, you, if you're such an idiot. Right. But they're right. going to be very small devices that could barely be you know, visible if they're outside. They're not going to be like the thing that you just showed, which is like this big bump on the on the back of your head. We totally haven't talked about a huge that issue that that's do you coming. Guys... Hold on Sorry. a second, Brett. We haven't talked <laughs> about something that's really going to change our homes in 2030, which is robots. Robots yeah. are coming <laughs> in a big way. And you might have a relationship with your robot to do all this stuff. The, you're not even thinking about a glasses. Hey, robot, go, you know, Hey, make a move on my chessboard with my son, right? You got it, Mr. J. <laughs> Sorry, that was some yeah. rising. rising a lot impression. of things are coming. We could spend three hours <laughs> talking about. Oh, well, talking about spatial computing robots are spatial. You definitely could, Robert. Yeah. <laughs> I do Sorry, every Aaron, night yeah. on Twitter Space. We talk for hours, but I can run. Oh, yeah, yeah I got to join Twitter Space with you at some point. But um, all right, so um. I, I mean, this is this is where it all goes. Um, when when do you expect that? Um, at least in the West, in in markets like um, the US, UK, when will we have smart glasses reach the sort of penetration we have for smartphones? I uh, I expect Apple to come in three to five years. Um, that'll get the rich people. And then it will be another five to 10 after that before it really, really gets mainstream. I think it's 2033 to five, something like that. All right, cool. Well, listen, guys, it's been a, it's been a pleasure to have you back on. Um, we sort of lost track of, of the book. We got it. But of course, a lot of this is the detail. It's in the book, which is the Immersive Metaverse Playbook for Business Leaders, a guide to strategic decision making and implementation in the metaverse for improved products and services. Go get uh, it now. Yeah. Yay. Whatever good books are sold. Um, Irina, how can people stay in touch with what uh, you're working on? Oh my gosh, I'm on Twitter all the time. So check out what I what I post on Twitter. And they can reach me that now way. Known as X. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. X. Yes. Elon will take away some credits. We'll we'll <laughs> zeed it out after this too, right? Yeah. We'll yeet it out or whatever it is these days. Um and a scobalizer. Same thing. I'm on X all the all day long. I'm that's where I live. I, right. I I am on LinkedIn and Facebook, but uh, X is really the the way the place the AI community. So what does what does X look like in a spatial environment? Oh wow! You know, Elon has to do a lot of work for that to to happen. You know, maybe he'll spruce up Grok before he does anything spatially. You know. Yeah. Well, well, he's just trying to raise X six is billion the only real-time filterable right? social network, right? And so you right now I saw a baseball tweet. That tweet if it if it came in on a 2D screen, okay, 2D is still going to be more efficient for reading text. And I think you'll still there'll still be some people who want to read text like me. Most people are going to just talk to their AI assistant. Right. Hey, AI assistant, can you can you tell me the news? Can you tell me what my basketball team did last night? Yeah. Can you tell me what what is the smoke in the sky? We're not even we haven't really spent a lot of time talking about multimodal AI models, which are going to use the cameras to see all sorts of things like smoke in the sky 
And there's people who tell you, oh, my my friend's house is burning down on on X, right? Yeah, yeah. And they post a picture. Well, in the future, that picture is going to be a 3D scene. So you could click on it, and now you're in a 3D scene, and you're watching the house burn down. My neighbor's house burned down uh, uh, last year, and in front of the house was five people holding iPhones. Those iPhones, if they could join together, can build a neural radiance sure, build of the house sure. burning down. You yeah. can do three D scene. Well, we've seen we've here. seen um, we've seen media companies combine Instagram shots to create three D models and stuff now. So, oh yeah, yeah. But in, in terms of X, I think hmm, at least five years before it yeah. becomes that spatially oriented. If well, this is really where we go, right? Like one of the things that is interesting about this is every time we have a new layer of technology like this, like the iPhone or what's happening with, with conversational and generative AI is it creates an entirely new boom of new industry, new investments, new players. Like the biggest companies in the world today, you know, they are either companies that were born out of the dot-com or companies that were born out of the app at Paradigm. Yeah, you know, and so we've got these two new paradigms coming now, right? Spatial computing, smart glasses, and AI, and combinations of, and so the biggest, some of the biggest companies in the world in the twenty thirties are probably going to be spatial. Oh my gosh, absolutely! All you know, going from consumer to enterprise to all of the nuts and bolts that work between them, I think that is where business is going to be. Period. Yeah. All right, listen, I'm sorry I started talking again because this is just so much fun with you guys. Um, let's wrap. We can do a second um, part if you want. Yeah, we can do <laughs> yeah. extended version. The second extended show. Mix. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. You know, Brian Solis was upset he couldn't join you guys today, so we'll I'd try and get on with Brian. Maybe yeah. we do a live. Maybe we do a live instead Give of- Give me a uh, week with the Vision yeah. Pro and we'll do another show. All right, then let's we'll do that. Be- Let's we'll do be able a live to tell you with what the we Vision actually Pro. can do on the Vision yeah, yeah. Pro and how yeah. good is it and how bad Perfect. is it. Love it. Perfect. Deal. Yeah. All right, great. Uh, Miss Metaverse, thanks for joining as well. That's it for the Futurists this week. If you enjoyed the show, you know what to do. You know, um, tweet us out, um, you know, zed us out, you know, post us uh, on social. Um, we are, you know, we've got a big effort going on right now trying to build our, our social metrics. But of course, uh, you know, share the show, um, tell people about it. Um, you know, that's that's how people find out about it. Leave us a rating, um, leave us some comments, uh, all of that helps. But thanks for uh, listening. And until then, until next week, we'll see you in the, the future. future. Well, that's it for The Futurists this week. If you like the show, we sure hope you did. Please subscribe and share it with the people in your community. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review that really helps other people find the show. And you can ping us anytime on Instagram and Twitter at, at Futurist Podcast for the folks that you'd like to see on the show or the questions that you'd like us to ask. Thanks for joining. And as always, we'll see you in the future.